Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditson. Today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I know this episode in past weeks, we've been going around some more start-sit questions. I don't want to hate on all of your, you know, issues out there. Feel free to shoot me a, uh, you know, reply on Twitter, DM, wherever it might be. I, I do care about your fantasy teams, unlike some people. But, uh, you know, I do want to go over, there's just so many hot topic, uh, you know, uh, topics and questions this week with specific players and injuries i just want to hit on the big ones that i think will impact you know most people's teams out there we'll probably get some buy low trade targets you know waiver wire advice all throughout the episode so exciting things on the horizon i have a very special guest uh to accomplish this goal with director of predictive analytics for the action network three-time number one ranked fantasy pro nfl expert four-time fsta winner for most accurate nfl player projections my former co-worker and just great friend sean corner sean what's going on man What's up, Ian? Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, former coworker, but um, you know, love everything you're doing at PFF. You're just cranking out the content. You're always a beast when it comes to that. So happy to see uh, you're still giving to the world. We all appreciate all you do. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And if uh, you know you people out there don't know Action Network of Fantasy Labs, please check it out. Help me get my start in DFS industry and truly some of the sharpest people you will find in the industry if you're interested in trying to make money off fantasy football and football in general, which, you know, that's always the goal uh, around these parts. So um, I mentioned today, you know, again, got 10 hot topics for you. And then Sean and I could give some of our top DFS picks. So without further ado, let's get after it. So first off, we got this Chargers offense. No Austin Eckler looking like he's going to be out up to six weeks. Unfortunate guy was having a great season, but now we have some opportunity to be had. So it's looking like Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly forming a two-back committee of sorts. We'll see who's eventually active. But Sean, how are you approaching this uh, backfield moving forward? Well, I think, you know, Josh Kelly is the back to own. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to provide RB2 value most weeks. Um, it was really encouraging to see his routes run per drop back uh, jump up uh, to 45% from 28%. I think that was one of the issues with him is we, we couldn't count on him for receiving work, uh, but it looks like he could, he could sort of be that Melvin Gordon type of role. So, um, you know, Justin Jackson's been dealing with injuries and stuff. He should be healthy now. I think he's certainly going to eat in to his workload. So I, I would still stash Justin Jackson as sort of a wait to see approach, but I think just given that Kelly should dominate the passing work and goal line situations, um, Kelly's the back to own. But with with all the offensive line issues and whatnot, I, I think Kelly does need a good offensive line to succeed. That's that's why I think Eckler's loss could be huge. Is those dump offs to Eckler can certainly circumvent you know offensive line issues. So I think it, it's going to definitely force the it's going to make the Chargers offense struggle a little bit. I think that's the right way to put it because Kelly as a receiver this year has been surprisingly very good. You know, coming in just as someone didn't know all that much about him. My uh, impression was that he was more of an early down guy because Justin Jackson, we already know he's good at that. I mean, last year had fewer than 40 touches. So take these numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt, but number three in PFF's rushing grade, you know, number five in missed force tackles per attempt, number three in yards after contact per attempt. I mean, truly Justin Jackson was playing some really good ball last year, last year. He's going to be involved. He was just hurt over these last uh, few weeks, you know, only was healthy briefly in week one i do agree though you know looking kind of like a 60 40 potentially kelly to jackson split just keep an eye on these fumbles man kelly's lost two in back-to-back weeks you know that's going to piss off even the most uh, devoted coaches uh to their backs so uh where do you have uh kelly kind of ranked this week sean you, you were saying rb2 range yeah I, I don't have them ranked high I, you know this is a bad matchup against the saints um they'll probably be trailing so i'm a bit low on him this week right now i have him i have him as rb21 again uh, you know, he's going to dominate goal line work and see a couple catches. So I, I'm a bit low on him this week, but looking ahead to week six through nine, 
they face the Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars, and Raiders. So I think we're, we're kind of eyeing those weeks as when he'll be maybe a high-end RB2. So I would be a little bit patient with him and Justin Jackson. So this week, people you know might be discouraged by their performance, but I'm kind of expecting a downgraded uh, game here. Sit tight week five, but we will fire off after that. All right, with the Cowboys offense. So they seemingly have seven consistent pass catchers involved. And look, CeeDee Lamb is making the most of all his opportunities. We know Gallup's kind of been the odd man out, but seriously, man, you can't watch one of these games without seeing Cedric Wilson and Noah freaking Brown getting a good amount of runs. So, you know, right now, Amari Cooper is just the undisputed top dog here. Do you see this continuing or do you think this, you know, target distribution will even out a little bit moving forward? Well, yeah, I don't see the 450 yards a game continuing. That's <laughs> obviously going to come down. So, uh, you know, we can't really be projecting Amari Cooper for 10 catches and 130. I know uh, Peter Jennings would love that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't know if it's possible. The, the defense will make a couple stops here and there. So, um, yeah, but the, the thing with, you know, Cedric Wilson, you mentioned Noah Brown. They're, they're seeing, you know, 30 to 40% of routes run per game. So, this number four role is pretty valuable in that I would just stash Cedric Wilson. If, you know, I wouldn't play him if everybody's healthy, but if one of either Cooper lamb or Gallup were to go down, um, you know, he could be a wide receiver four option. So um, just given the fact that he has one of three receivers to go down, that, that increases his chances of seeing the field uh, eventually. But right now you can't trust either guy. It's they're kind of a nuisance when it comes to, uh, you know, like Michael Gallup could be yeah. seeing those targets, but also, you know, don't sleep on Dalton Schultz. He's very involved in this. And, you know, as somebody that has quite a few Blake Jarwin shares in um, <laughs> best ball, it's, it's really disappointing to see, you know, a, a stiff legged kind of uh, <laughs> more of a blocking time, like Schultz is, you know, eating right now. So it, it's, it's scary to think how, how fun they'd be to see with, uh, you know, Blake Jarwin running around, but yeah, th- this offense is the real deal. I think we can expect them to be, you know, pretty potent going forward, but not 450 yards a game potent. So unfortunately we'll see everybody regress a bit. Um, but yeah, you know, these, these Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown types are, are decent stashes in deeper leagues, just in case somebody goes down. Yeah, uh, kind of early part of the season, I've been describing Miko Harvin as like one of the only true wide receiver handcuffs where if any one guy goes down in front of him, he's going to be a viable fantasy start. Cedric Wilson is right there in that conversation, I think. I mean, at least as long as Prescott is on pace for 6,760 passing yards. Absolutely uh, ridiculous. So I agree with what you're saying about Schultz. I and mean, we just got to accept it at, at this point. He's a PPR tight end five <laughs> after four weeks of action. Uh, so in 2019, Cooper had 119 targets, Gallup 113. Right now it's Cooper 51. Gallup 24. I know CD's there, but do you think Gallup's a pretty good uh, buy low candidate right now? Just because that has to even out somewhat moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a great buy low candidate. I think when you when you have him on your team, you just have to accept that he's going to be pretty volatile. You know, he's going to have some massive weeks, and there's going to be some games where he's left out. More of you know a decoy to open things up for Lamb, and you know Cooper's going to get his every game. It seems like so. Yeah, just know what you're getting with. Uh, Michael Gallup. Uh, yeah, I would say he's a wide receiver three with a wide range of outcomes. So yeah. um, you could certainly get him pretty cheap right now. So that, I, I agree. I think he's a buy low candidate for sure. 
Yeah, and shout out to uh, Roto World's Hayden Winks. I know he's had some good data. Just looking at, you know, the types of targets and what can lead to more uh, volatile situations. And those, you know, deep si- deep sideline routes that Gallup is running uh, most of the game do tend to be, you know, the more boomer bust mm-hmm. variety. Uh, moving on, we got the Bears offense post Tariq Cohen. Obviously impacts the backfield with Dave Montgomery and my guy Cordero Patterson. But this is also a situation where, you know, one of the most used receiving RBs in the league is no longer in the picture. We have one week of evidence. How, uh, any changes kind of overall to how you're treating this Bears offense moving forward well yeah it's 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 true that david montgomery is a true workhorse now i mean his his routes run per drop back went from 35 to 40 percent range up to 80 so he is he's going to be a workhorse going for albeit an unexciting one but we'll take it (laughs) these days um but yeah i mean alan robinson is playing out of his mind so it's you know a couple more targets a game for him um and you have to wonder if you know the past couple weeks have been uh, squeaky will sort of situation with him, uh, you know, trade rumors swirling around, but I mean, he is just a monster right now. Um, and then Darnell Mooney, uh, I think that he's a guy that we have to take seriously, especially when it comes to GPPs. He's, he's still one of my favorite GPP flyers each week, um, you know, sort of in that Taylor Gabriel role. So having a guy like Tariq Cohen out, um, you know, we're going to see a, a couple more targets for a guy like him going forward. And his routes run for dropback have gone up every single week. Uh, you know, he's a fifth round rookie, so he's going to be kind of raw without a preseason, abbreviated offseason. So I think he's going to just get better as the season progresses. And he's one of the guys I think that could benefit from these these few extra targets with Cohen out. Yeah, as someone that, you know, has been pounding the door on Anthony Miller all offseason and, you know, even in the week one, uh, it's just not looking good, everyone. Darnell Mooney does seem to have that number two spot uh, cemented. Quick thing on David Montgomery, like, I know it's underwhelming. He doesn't have this burst. The guy is breaking tackles at the same rate as Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb this year. I know he had that slow start in 2019, but, man, if he gets this workload coming, dude, it's going to be hard with the injuries we have to really keep this guy out of the top 15 backs. Yeah, I like last year I, I was off him. I didn't want anything to do with him. I thought he was being drafted way too high. But now I think you're right. People just bash him all the time. But, you know, he's going to have volume. So you can't beat that. Like I said, you can't beat having a workhorse back these days. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of just buying low. He hasn't seen a rushing touchdown so far, but he, he's going to see every single attempt inside the five. They're going to come. I, I think this offense will be better with Nick Foles. And, you know, like I said, Allen Robinson clicking, they're going to be able to move the ball. So I I think now's the time to buy in on David Montgomery, especially, you know, I I think he saw only three targets again in his 80% uh, routes run for drop back. So, you know, he's going to see some positive regression there, I think. So I think he could be a back that we can expect, you know, maybe three to five catches a week, which is certainly improvement for him. So, yeah, the window to buy low with him is certainly closing soon. If we just took away Dave Montgomery's name and I think showed everyone, you know, just what he's done this year and the projected opportunity moving forward, a lot more excitement. Uh, moving on, Colts offense, having another situation, uh, you know, where just haven't gotten the production. I think people have been hoping for out Jonathan Taylor after that Marlon Mack injury. But we also just got this passing game, man. It's like one week after another, we're kind of waiting for T.Y. Hilton uh, to break out. I-, I think you'll agree with me that Jonathan Taylor, like he's going to be, you know, if not an RB1, which I think he will be, he'll be at least an RB2 moving forward with this type of use. But beyond Taylor, do you think there's anyone in this offense we can somewhat trust on a consistent basis? Oh, man, it's tough. Uh, No, yeah, Taylor is an RB1 going forward. He is the Colts offense. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, a guy like Naheem Hines, he needs the the Colts to get down by 10. And Jordan Wilkins needs the the Colts to be up by 10. (laughs) Jonathan Taylor is going to eat in all other situations. And, you know, the Colts, they, they have my, my strength of schedule rankings. They have the easiest 
schedule. So, you know, it, this is going to favor Taylor all the way. Uh, I, you know, he's going to be an RB1. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to the, the passing game, I think Zach Pascal continues to be overrated or overlooked. Sorry, not overrated, <laughs> overlooked. He led the team in receiving yards last year. And if T.Y. Hilton can't stay healthy all 16 games this year, he's probably going to be the leading receiver again. Uh, you know, with Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell out for, you know, a significant amount of time. Um, he's he's really the guy that, you know, he's cemented in the number two role. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's up with T.Y. Hilton, but, you know, he's going to draw the, the, you know, the top cornerback, most of the tension on the defense. So, you know, Pascal could have some good games here and there. Uh, but again, the, you know, the passing offense is going to have to improve. Yeah. Philip Rivers hasn't really needed to throw much. Um, so that that plays into it, too. And the, the tight end situation is a mess. Um, you know, Trey Burton returned. So this is a three-way committee. Um, I love Moali Cox, but he's only running around 25% of the time. Um, so he, he's going to be a touchdown dependent guy each week. And unfortunately, I think we could see most weeks he gets one catch for one touchdown. So <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a touchdown dependent guy that I think will actually be the top red zone option. So no, this is a mess, and I think the only guy we can get excited about each week is Jonathan Taylor himself. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up with Burton because, you know, with Doyle coming back, it was already iffy enough for Mo Alley-Cox, but if he's going to be number three on his own team at the tight end position in snaps, we can't get behind that. He's number one in yards per out run this year, regardless of position, if you, you know, put the threshold low enough. Like, great player, uh, yeah. but unfortunately not getting the opportunity. Yeah, he's a beast. And we, we got to see our XFL boy, uh, Donald Parham, yeah. score a touchdown <laughs> too. I mean, we, we love these guys, but if they're not – if not running the routes or seeing the opportunity, we can't really uh, – you know, support them. So Mo, Mo Ali Cox, unfortunately, can't be in anybody's fancy lineup until he runs a route over 50% of the time. It was like the Ernest Johnson, man. I was telling everyone, look, I would love to be behind this guy. I'm wearing an Orlando Apollo shirt right now. Like, <laughs> I go. love the AAF, but I just cannot get behind it if the opportunity yeah. is not there. All right, moving on. The Houston Texans have parted ways with uh, Coach uh, Bill O'Brien. It gave all of us, you know, a chance to have a great afternoon on the old Twitter sphere. But, you know, moving forward and looking at this offense, you know, not really expecting Romeo Cornell to change uh, too much in terms of scheme on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, are you expecting more or less to see the same version of the Texans offense and just hopefully improving with the schedule lightening up or do you think this is a team maybe to stay away from well a little bit of both I think we, we will see improvement I think they'll win this week you know they're six point favorites at home against the Jags I believe um, so yeah I think they'll, they'll definitely improve and yeah I want to invest in this offense because you know that that early stretch to the schedule was brutal but you know everybody's still healthy and they're spreading it around it's really hard to project them week to week I think the only guy we can really trust in the passing game is Will Fuller, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's just really hard to to count on either, you know, Randall Cobb or, you know, Brandon Cooks. My God, Brandon Cooks has been <laughs> really disappointing. But I think they'll, they'll start clicking. And unfortunately, I think one of these guys will have to get injured to really funnel targets to anybody uh, enough to really warrant our trust. So... Yeah, it's 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 a mess right now, but I, I still believe in the offense overall. I would really love to see Deshaun Watson use his legs more. I think that might be one of the reasons why this offense hasn't been as explosive. You know, he's run for 27 yards, then 17, 5, and 9. So if defenses aren't really worried about that, uh, you know, it it has a ripple effect. So I think that, you know, until we see that, we're not going to see the, the Texans offensive old. But I, I'm expecting it to, to come around and, yeah, Will Fuller is – 
you know, I'm still treating him as wide receiver too with the wide range of outcomes, but uh, hopefully with Bill O'Brien gone, we, we get a little more consistency out of these guys. It's funny to say, you know, the words that the only guy we can trust with the Texans is Will Fuller, but I'm with yeah. you. That's the case. I mean, the only guy that I was kind of hoping would maybe break out and have a consistent role was Jordan Akins after his, you know, early season usage. But after really playing almost in every down role those first two weeks, we've seen his snap rate slip to 68% in week three and then just 29% last week. So he certainly has not won that job from Darren Fells. Definitely in that passing game, uh, you know, only Will Fuller. I think we'll talk a little bit more about the running backs there in a bit. Quick shout out uh, to our sponsor if you like fantasy football you need to be playing on underdog fantasy it's my favorite new fantasy football app underdog fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake draft it's called battle royale in battle royale you draft a one-week team like you normally would but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft you can be with teams from other drafts this way they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format very cool and the first battle royale is already up in the underdog app and website Five dollars to enter and has a twenty-five thousand dollars prize pool and pays out five grand to first place. So make your first deposit today. Be sure to use my code PFF after you do to let them know that I sent you. All right, Sean, I got another backfield here that we got some uncertainty in. You know, mentioned before, Dearness Johnson, fan of in real life, not so much uh, in fantasy land. Uh, what do you think this backfield looks like without Nick Chubb? Uh, Kareem Hunt all the way, baby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was my favorite mid-round running back because I love getting these backs where. Even when the starting running back is healthy, they're going to provide, you know, flex to RB2 value. But if the starting running back goes out, you know, I said Cream Hunt is a top five running back. And that's what we get this week. Uh, he's actually my RB6 um, because, you know, the Darius Johnson performance and, you know, he, Cream Hunt himself is dealing with a growing issue. Um, and the next couple weeks they face the Colts and the Steelers. So it's not like he's just not being thrusted into this. Um, great situation but after that I believe their schedule opens up they have the Bengals and the Raiders so I'm expecting Pete Cream Hunt around week seven through eight Uh, but yeah this week I I think we'll see Cream Hunt and to a certain extent Johnson really split work and really we've seen the Browns so far like they really want to run the ball Um, so I think they're going to stick with it that's why I do think Johnson could provide flex value this week um, Mayfield's thrown less than 200 yards in three of four games. And I think that's sort of the plan going forward. That's, that's the best way to sort of minimize his mistakes. So, you know, I've been considering this, the, the Vikings offense. So, you know, cream huts, essentially Dalvin cook and Dearness Johnson is Alexander Madison right now. So I think they can both have value, but, but long-term, I mean, if you drafted cream hunt in the mid rounds, you're 11 life right now. Cause I think he's, he's definitely going to pay off uh, over the next several weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Only thing I'm I'm interested in seeing is, you know, we know Kareem Hunt's going to be the one. And t- my question is, is Johnson going to be the clear two or is he going to kind of split things up with uh, Hilliard? So I guess I think we'll find that out Sunday. Yeah. But a uh, quick question for you on this guy. I know you do an awesome offseason article every year where you pretty much look at every backfield, assume that the RB1 gets hurt, and then you kind of rank the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Where did Kareem Hunt finish in that, number one? Number one, yeah, number just one. because he was RB5. And, I, you know, Jonathan Taylor was number two. But I was projecting Jonathan Taylor to take over starting duties right. um, pretty early in the season. He was being drafted high. So he was number two, but that that wasn't a big surprise. Not, not that Kareem Hunt was a surprise, but just based on his ADP, I thought Kareem Hunt offered the most upside, just, just given his early season role. And like you said, the potential scenario where the starting running back, running back goes down, he just had the most to gain from that happening. 
Yeah, and in case anyone has any worries, if we're like, you know, still looking at the same version of Kareem Hunt that we saw ball out in 2017, 2018, maybe even a slightly better version somehow. 2017, 2018, he was number seven in PFF's elusive rating metric. He has been number three now in back-to-back season, looking as good as ever out there. Another backfield for you. This Cardinals team is struggling uh, with Kenyon Drake right now. I want to read a quick quote from uh, Coach Cliff Kingsbury. He said, uh, it's something I think we're sorting through. We know Kenyon Drake is a tremendous player. We know what he can do when we're rolling in the right direction. He's very dynamic in space, and he's not afraid to stick it up there as well. That's kind of the top of the checklist is how do we get him going over the next 12 games. Sean, are you buying that they're going to, you know, stick with Drake and make this thing work, or are we, you know, getting closer and closer to Chase Edmonds, you know, sticking his nose in there? Yeah, I, we are getting – I think we're already there with Chase Edmonds <laughs> sticking his nose in there. And I think going back to my running back upside chart, I think Edmonds is number three just because the chances – you know, if, if Kenny Drake is healthy, he's – obviously the lead back but there was a chance there, there's a scenario here where Edmonds can leapfrog a healthy Kenny and Drake and that you know the worst case scenario seems to be happening right now <laughs> um I think we can still consider Drake you know a low-end RB2 right now until anything significant happens um but it's it's really concerning to see his you know reduced pass game involvement and Kyler Murray is sort of the goal line back so that that definitely hurts his his value in my opinion um uh, but Chase Edmonds should already be owned in every single format out there. All league size, he should be already owned um, because he's, he's already seeing the passing down work. And if, if Drake were to ever get injured, you know, and there, there isn't any competition, Edmonds would for sure be, you know, low end RB one for sure, but he's already sneaking up there. We, we could see a week, you know, not this week, but going forward where we're playing him um, in the flex slot in a PPR format, just because we know we're going to get handful of touches from him. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on just, you know, getting Chase Edmonds. If he's out there, you have to scoop him up, but um, uh, you know, we could see that happen soon where he forces, you know, a 50, 50 timeshare. And that's, that's killer. If you, if you took Drake and, you know, round two right now, you're, you're just hating life. Cause you just hate to see this. This is definitely the worst case scenario in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, for that smash spot, not to come against the Panthers, you know, just historically atrocious run D, absolutely brutal. But yeah, man, I mean, I think Kareem Hunt, he had enough standalone value that he wasn't really in that, you know, specific handcuff tier in fantasy drafts, but it's always been Evans, Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison, make sure you keep these guys on your teams. Cause you know, we're seeing owners get uh, fancy managers get reckless now or not reckless, but just restless because they're having guys get hurt. They need to pick up usable players. If you can spot any of these, you know, true fancy RB ones, if something happens to their team starter, make sure you do so a uh, situation that is not nearly as clear cut. You know, if someone goes down the Baltimore Ravens backfield, everything is muddled last week, Mark Ingram played a team low 25% snaps, even though he had eight carries Dobbins was at 30. 4% and Gus the bus Edwards coming in at 39%. I've been talking up Gus a lot on this podcast, just in terms of like, okay, he leads the league in yards after contact per attempt. I understand what Dobbins to get more involved, but it's not like Gus is playing bad, you know, to make that happen. But do you think this backfield is going to give us any viable fantasy pieces right now? Cause it's sure not looking that way. No. And they're, they're one of the uh, positions or, you know, I, I do my projections by team and just when I get to the Ravens and I'm projecting running backs, I'm just like, oh, God, it's just, uh, it's just a headache every week. And let's be clear, Lamar Jackson is the lead back. Yeah. So let's just get that straightened out real quick. But, other, you know, after you project Lamar Jackson and his massive, um, you know, running back share or running share, I should say, um, you know, Mark Ingram is still the guy to own. And it's hard to say because you can't really trust him week to week. Because they do pull them, you know, when they get up big, they bring in Gus Edwards in the fourth quarter. 
So, and, and that's typically the, the Ravens game script, right? Is get up big in the first three quarters and then put in Gus Edwards in the fourth quarter. How can you even bank on that every week? So <laughs> um, I, I think Ingram in close games, he's a much better play, which is why it backfired uh, against the Chiefs. I was all in on Mark Ingram that week because I thought it'd be a, a close game and they got blown out the other way. So, um, you know, and J.K. Dobbins sort of, um, takes up all the passing work, which unfortunately isn't that big of a deal in this offense. And, you know, he'll eat into the goal line carry. So it's 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 a three-way committee nightmare, in my opinion. I think we need to see one of these guys to go down um, to really trust anybody. But uh, unfortunately, I think Mark Ingram is the only guy you can trust. And even that's saying a lot. I think he's still, you know, low on RB2 flex play with, uh, you know, wide range of outcomes. So it's unfortunate because th- this offense does – pack a lot of punch when it comes to the run game but you know this team just like the Rams it's it's sort of an evolving door where we can't really trust anybody any given week Dobbins is making the limited uh you know opportunities count he's ninth among 76 qualified guys and you know force missed tackles per attempt but even if Ingram goes down man it's looking who knows maybe Justice Hill gets back involved oh, at, yeah. at this point do you think Dobbins is droppable if we're like talking non-dynasty or anything like that yeah, I depends on your league. I mean, if guys like Chase Edmonds are available in your league, absolutely drop yeah. Dobbins. But he's one of those guys. I, I think if Egram, Ingram, or Edwards goes down, I think he would see RB2 value. So he's worth hanging on there. But yeah, I consider this J.K. Dobbins is the guy to own in 2021. Hopefully we have more clarity with that. Um, and, you know, he, he has more experience in here too. But yeah, right now it's really hard to love Dobbins but I think you got to keep him just for the injury upside no I'm with you I sent out some highlights yesterday and just labeled the tweet uh, JK Dobbins uh you know 2020 or 2021 <laughs> RB1 excuse me yeah yeah uh, yeah okay so we got two more of these before some t- DFS picks thank you all for sticking with us uh, we'll talk about the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver room man AJ Green you know on top of all these air yard models and stuff but looking more and more like dust what are your thoughts on Green Boyd Higgins in this Bengals passing game as a whole yeah, you, you really want to stick with these models and say A.J. Green's going to bounce back, but it's really hard to say at this point that that's going to happen. And I think that everything the Bengals have been doing, are, you're they're just clearing the way for T. Higgins to become the number two. So, you know, a lot of these air yards and targets that A.J. Green has been seeing, I think you're going to start going T. Higgins' way. And one of the other things that happened was John Ross has been a healthy scratch the past two games. I think that was the other sign that we saw, you know, T Higgins is the man here and they're giving your boy Auden Tate some playing time, which, yeah. is, which is pretty cool, but I don't think that's going to eat into Higgins role. But yeah, I think, I think that they drafted T Higgins to be the long-term AJ green replacement, but I think that transition is already underway. And I think that, you know, Higgins is the number two receiver going forward. And in this offense, you know, I, I love what I see out of Joe Burrow. So in this offense, I think the number two role is pretty valuable. Um, and, you know, AJ Green's going to pop up, you know, very soon and have, you know, uh, four catch 60 yard touchdown game. And everyone's going to think he's back. But I think, I think that the underlying usage and what they're doing is pretty clear that they, they want to see T Higgins and Joe Burrow era start, you know, now. So, so I'm buying on T Higgins as we speak. Yeah, we don't necessarily need A.J. Green to, like, get benched or something for Higgins to become viable. Green is fifth in air yards. We know that. But Higgins is right there at 15. So he's actually not far behind. Like you said, once John Ross hit the bench, 
that made Higgins, if not, you know, the highest end fantasy option, obviously, but at least a usable one. We know he's going to be out there on the field all the time. Another situation where we trawl, where we saw recently a true role shift was with the Vikings and Justin Jefferson, no longer being that, you know, part-time slot receiver. He's now outside in two wide receiver sets alongside Adam Thielen. Vikings don't pass very much, but when they do, it seems to be downfield and it's usually to Thielen and Justin Jefferson. At what point can we kind of treat both of these guys as top 24 options? Oh, right now. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. You know, T. Higgins has some work. I still think he's a wide receiver 3-4. You can't trust him every week like Justin Jefferson. But Justin Jefferson is wide receiver 2 material right now. He's my wide receiver 21, I believe. And it was really week 3. You know, when we saw they they completely phased out Olabizi Johnson. I mean, he ran around on like 3% of the snaps. And Justin Jefferson blew up for... Yeah, it was unfortunate that Justin Jefferson had to post a seven catch, 175 yard game with the touchdown when, you know, the, the usage would certainly warrant a massive game coming up. And then he followed it up with another 100 yard game. So I think the cat's out of the bag with him. But, you know, it was pretty clear that they're they're going with Thielen and Justin Jefferson going forward. And they have Chad Beebe out there running around around. 35% of the time, just, you know, doing nothing. He saw one target the past two games. So this is a pretty narrow target tree. I mean, Cousins is really only going to Thielen and Jefferson right now. So it's really encouraging to see. I think the Vikings are going to become more pass heavy as the season goes along. You know, this this defense is sort of in a rebuilding situation. So I think this offense is going to expand. And, you know, I'm really high on Justin Jefferson going forward. I think, you know, low end wide receiver two is where I'm, I'm grading him going forward. As you said, with that condensed target share right now, only two offenses have their top two options accounting for at least 50% of their team's target shares. The Chargers with Keenan Allen at 35%, Hunter Henry at 20%, and the Vikings with Adam Thielen at 34%, Justin Jefferson 22%. And that's including the first two games when Jefferson oh, wasn't yeah. even out there. So we're even going to see that uh, spike even more moving forward. So good stuff, man. Happy we uh, got those, you know, top yeah. 10 topics out of the way. Uh, you know, hope that helped everyone out there with, you know, some buy low candidates and uh, usage going into week five but now i want to move on to some dfs plays uh you know uh, sean and i will specify whether it's more of a casual tournament uh gameplay in the description but you know these aren't uh really specified before that so sean who's a quarterback you're on this week teddy bridgewater uh i say cash also maybe dak for cash and teddy for gpps i think teddy has a lot of stacking options so i love him in that regard he's 5900 facing the falcons um, you know, he has Mike Davis. They're, they're throwing to him as an extension of the run game. He has DJ Moore, who I think is bound to bounce back very soon. Robbie Anderson just playing out of his mind right now. And Ian Thomas, who, you know, I think he'll, he'll have a good game here. Um, so a ton of stacking options. But, you know, when it comes to just Robbie Anderson, I think he has just elevated Bridgewater's ceiling more than I, even I anticipated. I've been a Robbie Anderson truther for years now, and I still – underestimate him in this offense I thought he'd be like the number three four target wouldn't really do much in the system but my god they're, they're they just expanded his route tree so much that you know I just love what I see through the first four games and when it comes to Bridgewater himself we have seen his rushing ability come back um, you know he was sort of a dual threat before that 2016 injury and we're sort of seeing that um, come back he's probably a little more confident in his leg so, you know, he has two games of 20-plus rushing yards now. And last week, you know, he looked really good on that 18-yard touchdown run. So I think, you know, 
he has low key 30 rushing yard upside now. So I think it's just, there's a lot of elements, so to speak, that just go towards Teddy Bridgewater being a potential QB one going forward. So he's actually my QB nine in my initial projection. So I'm pretty high on him. It could have a lot to do with the Falcons defense, to be honest, but he's a guy I kind of want to buy in before, you know, everybody's sort of in on Teddy, but you know, I'm very encouraged with this, this Panthers offense so far. Yeah, definitely top streamer option on the board this week. I love the DJ Moore calls. You know, I mentioned those condensed uh, passing offenses. Number three in terms of their, you know, top two targets is the Panthers with Robbie and DJ Moore. Robbie's having a fantastic season with his passing game trending upwards. They're going to be able to enable more than one guy. Go get DJ Moore while his value remains as low as it's going to be. Um, I got a disgusting quarterback to follow it up with, and that is Mr. Derek Carr at 5,300. You know, as some one of many people that's been blocked uh, by, by Mr. Carr on Twitter over the years, you know, we haven't always seen eye to I have thrown my fair share of, you know, mean, mean spirited gifts and uh, memes his way. So I certainly deserved it, but he is too cheap here at 5,300. This guy is priced behind Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. He's alongside Drew Locke. And look, I mean, the chiefs defense, they're a solid group. You know, they, they pretty much try to let teams run on them and, you know, they load up against the pass, but Carr's been able to overcome this a little bit recently. I mean, he has a, uh, you know, th- he's thrown for at least recently, not even against the chiefs, but 250 plus yards, multiple scores in three consecutive weeks. And we've seen this upside against the Chiefs over the years. He had a performance with 285 yards and three scores, 417 yards and three scores against the Chiefs. I mean, it's a situation where his, his stat line last week would have been much bigger. He threw an actually perfect bomb to Nelson Aguilar, of all people, 55-yard touchdown catch that got nullified on illegal formation penalties. So, you know, Ruggs and Edwards not being there isn't ideal. We'll see if they remain out. But the fact that Carr is priced Ernie Sam Darnold, like that's when I had to throw my hands up and say, okay, I'm a little bit intrigued now. I know the ceiling, you know, isn't super Super high, but I do think, you know, priced this low, we're going to see some people trying to go all the way down to Kyle Allen. Forget that. If you really want to try to save some money at QB this week, I think Carr at 5,300 can do that for you. Uh, Sean, what, what you, who do you like at the running back position? So I, last week, I, I love Joe Mixon and David Johnson because I said it's the first time they're going to see a positive game script. And I was right about Joe Mixon. Fortunately, David Johnson still didn't see his, his uh, positive game script. Uh, situation but you know we already talked about it with O'Brien gone Um, Texans are you know six point favorite this week I think we'll see a good David Johnson week uh, finally happen so um, you know even though he hit my projections last week uh, like he he hit I think I projected for 63 rushing yards and 30 receiving yards and he hit that but no touchdowns I think he'll you know hit that plus um, find the end zone this week so you know at 5200 I mean he's priced I need to see what running backs he's but it's brutal um, he's just getting no respect and I think it, it has to do with you know the, the early season schedule was unfavorable for the Texans so he's he's certainly a guy I'm buying low in DFS this week he's my RB 14 um, you know it's a little bit concerning seeing Duke Johnson come back and just undercut most of David Johnson's receiving work so he's a guy that when it comes to negative game scripts going forward I might not be high on him, but, you know, this week the Texans should have the lead and I'm expecting, you know, 20 plus touches from him at this price. um, You got to love it. So, so I'm loading up on DJ again this week. Yeah, it doesn't have that 90% role that we saw with Duke out, but it seems like it's the Carlos Hyde role plus a little more uh, pass game work. And yeah, 5,200, they're daring us to play yeah. about that this week. I'm with you. I think you have to do it. Is that so? Are you thinking cash only or are you willing to kind of eat the chalk in tournaments? Yeah, I would say cash only. I, I need to see the expected ownership. I, I got to imagine he's going to be high on just, just based on price alone. So I, I would say cash only. I think 
when it comes to upside uh, with the receiving work a little bit capped, I think, uh, yeah, he, he's probably a cash only play. Yeah. Uh, someone else I'm looking at probably primarily in cash is uh, Devin Singletary at 5,900 cash. If Zach Moss remains out, otherwise I'm fine going to him actually in tournaments because, you know, lost in, you know, okay. Josh Allen, he is truly one of the vultures in the league. We see this dude get inside the five, 10 yard line. And he just, you know, is dying to take off. He's one of only, I think eight or nine guys since he's entered the league with at least 20 rushing touchdowns. But, you know, like we saw this happen with Rex Burkhead in week three, where we got so convinced and Cam Newton stealing every touchdown. It's like people can score touchdowns outside the five yard line sometimes. And I think Devin Singletary is looking at a situation here in the upcoming weeks where that's going to happen because this guy is just playing such great football right now. He's tied for the league lead with Josh Jacobs and broken tackles. I know I keep pulling out these, you know, misforced tackle stats and that, and I understand you don't get fancy points for that, but you know, to me, it's one of the best indicators for who is truly playing great on the field. It's what we see with our eyes when we're watching the game. It's a good way to quantify that. And just the usage with Zach Moss sideline has been fantastic too. combined 31 carries and 11 targets over the past two weeks, you know, Moss coming off a toe injury. That's not great. Okay. I would probably think that, you know, he comes back if he's healthy enough and gets that 30, 40% role, but there's also a chance that we just don't see him as the same healthy back and Singletary continues to take over. He certainly, I think earned that uh, uh, opportunity with the way he's been playing. So again, you know, this is such a high scoring offense. Don't let just Josh Allen accounting for most of the touchdowns deter you from taking their, you know, workhorse running back if Moss remains out. So if Moss is out, Singletary at 5,900, I think can, you know, be almost locked in the cash game lineups. If Moss is back, don't underestimate the chances for, you know, Singletary making the most of his 15 to 20 touches. Uh, Sean, Robbie Anderson, tell me about him. Yeah, so Robbie Anderson and Cash, GPP, three-man tournaments, you, you name it. Every <laughs> single format, Robbie Anderson for me at 5,900 against the Falcons. Um, yeah, so he has 99-plus yards in three of four games so far. And, you know, Robbie Anderson isn't the kind of guy that you'd ever um, pair with consistency or think that he'd be reliable week to week. But if you look at his route tree, he's not just going deep. I mean, he's he's running underneath. He's going – like, if if – they're replicating this offense after the saints. He's really that Michael Thomas role. It's, it, it's really bizarre that they wouldn't give that to DJ Moore, but it's, it's Robbie Anderson is the centerpiece of this offense. So I'm all in on the, him this week. And like I said, DJ Moore should bounce back. That's why I think I'll, I'll probably have some Teddy Moore Anderson stacks for sure. And you know, the, the craziest thing is the Panthers have been in two game scripts in a row where they've had the lead for, I, I want to say the entire game. So this week against the Falcons, they're three and a half point underdogs, I think it is right now. So, you know, they might come from behind against the Falcons, who are great at giving up leads. So I, I just think this is going to be a shootout both ways. Um, I, I think the Falcons offense will bounce back, and I think the Panthers can keep up with their offense. So I'm just all in on the Panthers offense this weekend. Robbie Anderson is basically the reason why. So, yeah, 5,900, I, I mean, you, you just can't pass them up. Latest latest and greatest post gay success story. Someone please go rescue oh, my yeah. boy, Chris Herndon. Please yes, go rescue him. Uh, wide receiver, I like this week, uh, Marquise Brown at 6,300. Going back to the well, I, I tweeted out a video shortly before his podcast of no fewer than five deep balls that, you know, Lamar has targeted Hollywood on this year, and he's just sailed them. And you know what? Does this mean that uh, Lamar just can't hook up downfield with Marquise? 
I mean, okay, it's not great. I mean, showing a clip of him just getting open and not getting these uh, targets, you know, I, I get the concern there, but nobody has more deep ball targets on the year. I mean, even if Lamar keeps missing a couple of these, he is going to hit them at some point. We've seen, you know, truly over the last two weeks, three examples of, you know, potentially walking touchdowns with a better pass. And look, they just haven't had to put their foot on the gas. Now, I'm not saying uh, that's going to be the case this week against the Bengals, looking like another situation, as you said, uh, you know, uh, quarters one through three, um, you know, foot on the gas and then the Gus Edwards show in the fourth. But, you know, this really has been a big, uh, you know, big uh, up, uptick in Hollywood's usage this year. I mean, 26 targets, that's more than Mark Andrews. I mean, I think we all would have expected Andrews to be, you know, the number one receiver in this offense, even if he's labeled a tight end. That actually has been Hollywood. So uh, we've already seen them, you know, kind of getting itchy with those downfield balls. Every time Lamar misses one, they show him. And it looks like, you know, just some, he just looked like his dog died or something, man. The guy just looks like he feels so bad out there. So Lamar wants it. The Ravens want it. Marquise is getting open. You can only keep talented players like this down for too long. I, I don't, I want to be a week, you know, I want to get the right week. I don't want to be a week late on the Marquise Brown boom game. Cause after that, you know, we're going to see the ownership back uh, where it should be. I think at 6,300 still a little bit expensive. He could be coming with some reduced ownerships. Love, love, love Hollywood and tournaments this week. Sean talking about Evan Ingram. So at tight end this week, you know, if you're not going to pay up to get Kelsey Kittle, which, you know, I certainly recommend, um, the days of targeting Logan Thomas and Chris Herndon are over for me. I am not going that far down the list anymore. I think Evan Ingram is a nice um, point where you can go down and for 4,600, you can take a tight end that has run a route um, over 90% of the time in three or four games now. And I think, you know, with Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard out, I think Evan Ingram really will be the most consistent weapon um, week to week. So I think we could see an eruption game against the Cowboys. Um, so I want to get in on him. Uh, you know, like you said, before the cat's out of the bag, um, you know, Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown in three straight games. Uh, that's not, I know that's not a glowing endorsement to, to invest <laughs> in the Giants offense, but you know, the touchdowns are going to come at some point. And I think that the, the Cowboys defense will, you know, correct some of these issues we've seen. Uh, from the Giants. So I think that, yeah, Evan Ingram, just my God. Uh, and last week, last week he ran around 93% of the time. I just think he's, he's got a big game coming. Um, so, you know, I, I think that you can play Evan Ingram and cash and GPP um, and spend up elsewhere. I think running back, especially this week, I haven't really found many guys that I'm willing to spend down. So I think, you know, the tight end position, especially you can spend down a bit and then load up at running back at and uh, wide receiver. So Ingram, Evan Ingram will be a big part of all of my lineup builds this week. I'm with you there on the general lineup construction thoughts. I'm also looking to spend down tight end and who pains me to say it's probably tournament. I haven't gotten quite there yet, but Eric Ebron at 4,000 against a Philly defense that has just been boat raced by tight ends this year. George Kittle, 15 catches, 183 yards in a score. Tyler Higby, five catches, 54 yards, three scores. Even Logan Thomas, four catches, 37 yards, and a blown coverage touchdown back in week one. And Ebron, I mean, look, I kind of wrote him off after week one because he was splitting snaps with Vance McDonald and just wasn't used. But, you know, he started and played at least 75% of the offensive snaps in consecutive weeks, caught eight or 12 targets for 95 yards and a nice uh, red zone score from Big Ben. So seems like they want to get him involved in the red zone. They don't really have, you know, just that big bodied option down there. And, you know, 
know, they want Ebron to be that guy. So uh, h- hilarious chart, you know, I've seen on Twitter where it's pretty much like, is it Eric Eber- Ebron chalk week? Yes. Don't play Eric Ebron. No, don't play Eric <laughs> Ebron. So I know we've been burned by this guy in the past, but you know, again, that's why I'm not necessarily trusting him in cash games, but as a tournament option, he's, you know, on the field almost all the time. He's in an offense that even if they're not 2018, you know, levels, there's still going to be a productive passing game and the matchup to boot. Uh, don't be afraid to go back to the well with Eric Ebron. All right, before we get out of here, uh, one quick shout out to our sponsors over at Monkey Knife Fight. You can get a free PFF Edge annual subscription if you just go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit $20. And you're not just, you know, paying for the PFF subscription. You can turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge subscription. Sean, that's going to do it, man. Thank you again for coming on. A lot of really uh, good stuff there. Everyone make sure you go follow Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. And what do you have on the docket, man? Oh, everything. Uh, I think I might actually do an updated running back upside chart just with so many injuries. Uh, I'm going to bring that back and keep that updated. I stopped doing that once the season started because it got crazy. So you're going to see all the same content for me every week, but I think I'm going to bring that back soon. Awesome, man. Yeah, and truly, that was one of the you know more informative articles I saw throughout the entire offseason. So thank you all for listening. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you go check out Sean's work over at Action Network and Fantasy Lab. Check out my work at PFF, as always. I'm Ian Harditz, and to all you listeners out there, thank you, and have a great day. 